Welcome to Colladin Granary Baptist Church Friday Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, it's Liam here, and thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. A special thank you as well to all those who have shared and subscribed um, to our podcast from last week. We had people from Scotland, England, the States and Romania tuning in to last week's podcast, so thank you for sharing. A special welcome to all those listening from Leslie Baptist Church, it's great to have you. I enjoyed sharing in communion with you yesterday on Facebook Live, and it's great for you to be with us. I think this is the first year that we've not been able to join together over Holy Week to do something um, in in the same building, so it's good that we can come together like this today. Today is Good Friday and we remember when Christ shared in suffering and died on a cross for us, the Son of God who died for our sins. This week we have a special reflection from Justin Walters. He's going to be telling us what he's been up to in the States as well as giving us a reflection from Sam too. We also have the wonderful Carol Ann who had a great joy in getting to interview this week and she's going to be telling us about her story of faith and how she grew up in the church. And finally, I'm going to be sharing a poem that the Baptist Union of Scotland has sent out to ministers and churches to reflect on the truth that Jesus has risen on Resurrection Sunday. So I'm going to be sharing that with you. Sit back, relax and enjoy this week's podcast. Hey everybody, this is Justin, and I'm on Liam's podcast today, and I hope that y'all are doing well. Just wanted to tell you about my life and what's been going on, and then I have some scripture I want to share with you when we talk about Good Friday. So, I've become the pastor at First Baptist Church of Maxton, which originally was called Shoe Hill. Maxton was called Shoe Hill. It was named after the Scottish heritage found there. And down the road from the church, there's a Scottish heritage cemetery. Maxton is a small community now, and people are are leaving, and they're not staying, unfortunately. The demographics are mixed as well, and there are over 60 churches in that community. So the task is hard, and the ground is hard to to plow. But God is in control. I know he has brought me to the church for a reason and a purpose. I have enjoyed all the new opportunities. Recently, before we had this virus come, a family joined the church, so that was good. Uh, the first time I experienced meeting with the couple and talking about them being saved and, and them making that decision to join the church. I hope to start to incorporate some Bible studies like we did at Colladine. And I've learned so much from David and from Liam, uh, from, from y'all. Working in the church has been such a privilege, and I'm still learning and gaining from those experiences, so thank you. And also, we hope that we can do an outreach event involving several of the churches in the area. I've met with three other pastors who are willing to be involved, so, so pray for us as we try to get our faces out in the community to share the never-changing hope that is found only in Christ our Lord. And that's my bivocational job. My full-time job is teaching. 
And right now we're not doing that because of the situation that we're all in. But I'm a PE teacher. And teaching has its obstacles. Uh, naturally, I'm laid back. Uh, I don't have a presence of a firm, authoritative person. As one of my students said to me, I, I'm the type of person that when I talk, people do not listen to me. I'm a mild, I have a mild presence. So I'm learning to be more affirmative and authoritative. I have some really good days when I was when I was that, but my natural tendency is to befriend the kids instead of being their teacher. And however, through guidance and experience of the teachers around me, I know that God will help me become a better teacher. I feel that both jobs are great foundations that God has privileged me and equipped me, and and is building, are building, uh, he's building skills and building opportunities uh, from these jobs. So I'm, I'm thankful and grateful for what he's done. So may each increase the glory of his name. As a little update on, on my life, everything's going well as far as my family. And my brother, he had a daughter, and she's five months old, and she is coming out of her shell talking and, and, and not saying words or anything, but trying to talk and very active. So we're blessed and thankful for that. Life in general. It's good. I feel like God's teaching us a lot through this time of being still. And it's given us a great opportunity to grow our faith. And as I save money, I do hope to move out one day. Maybe in a couple of years and, and have a place to live. And I've been so blessed to have parents who love me. And what, what is and want what is best for me. So now let's go on to the passage on, on Good Friday. Uh, Psalm 2 is what I've been preparing uh, for a sermon with the First Baptist Church of Maxton. And and I feel led to talk to y'all about Psalm 2 because I think it goes great with Good Friday and what Christ has endured for us. We will learn from Psalm 2, a passage written by David probably a thousand years before Christ even came to the earth. So we're seeing God's authority and communication through His divine word. So let's begin at Psalm 2, 1 and go through to verse 6. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The king of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them and he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. So Psalm 2, 1, why did the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Here we see, as I have said several times, the heart of man unleashed, not under the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, is a rebellious, they have a rebellious heart, one in which goes against their creator. As Romans 1 teaches us, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Here the people are rebellious against God. And here we see in Tom in, in Psalm two one that the nations, the people, God's created beings made in his image, plot to kill his anointed one. The human heart most certainly is a frightful reality. Who can trust it? Who can be confident that they will always do what they say? From the very beginning of scripture to Psalm two, all the way to the crucifixion, we see the steady tendency the human heart rebels. Against the good, we had Judas Iscariot rebelling against Christ, 
turning Christ in. We had hatred from the Jews. Hatred from the very ones that, that Christ healed. And the very ones that he fed. The good shepherd, Jesus himself though, is one in which has a heart that is completely trustworthy. Who is the very one that is not trusted, but instead is despised and cast out. Even worse, he finds himself being chased and to be killed. Did David know that would happen? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But we know that David knew what it was like to have his life sought after. Here the righteous one joins David. You know, David had Saul try to kill him. David had his own son try to kill him. And here we're seeing that God sends his only son to die in our place. And they are chasing. People are chasing after him. And he surrenders himself without a fight. Because he knew it was God's plan. Even though he didn't want it. He said, my God, take this cup from me. If it be your, but whatever your will is. Whatever your will is, your will be done. And we know that's true because as we see in verse 1, they plot in vain. We know that Jesus knew what, was what it was going to take. And they were plotting in vain because we know for what the scripture tells us happens. And why do you think the scripture here says that they have plotted in vain? And I don't want to spool the ending for you. So this is a, a spooler alert. If you don't want to hear what's, what I'm about to say. You can tune off. But Jesus is alive. There is no body. I heard on the radio that people claim that Jesus' body is in Japan or in India. However, we know the tomb is in Jerusalem, that he is not there. He has risen indeed for the very reason our faith is not in vain. A great question to ask yourself, would I be living any different if Jesus was not alive? How much investment have I put in Jesus? How, how dependent are we upon him being alive? Would your life be the same and you would just go on or, or, or like the stock market crashing? Would you have lost it all? If we are believers in Christ then we must put all of ourselves on the table. Not just a little bit, not just halfway, not just three quarters, everything. In verse 2, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one. Here we see that those in authority and power were against the Lord. They all went up against Christ, the religious leaders, those who cared for this world, and, and they didn't care for the one to come. They counseled among each other. And when I mean when they cared for the world, they loved the world instead of loving God. Spurgeon makes a great point here. He says that sinners have their wits about them, and yet saints are dull. So ultimately, we must be believers who are about our Father's business who take seriously strategizing and ways we can share the gospel and be a light on the hill as God commands us to. May they have sharp minds to focus upon the, the, the gospel. And as we prepare for Easter plays, that will not happen, unfortunately, during the practice that we practice at First Baptist Church of Maxton. I remember the part where it said, crucify him, crucify him. With the kids shouting that out. What kind of hatred is this that the people would want an innocent man killed? This hatred flows from the evil one, from Satan himself. His plan seemed to become true. What wickedness must have been in the air that day? What tension must have been there? Because they knew who Jesus really was. It wasn't, it wasn't hidden from them. They knew his character. They knew what he deserved. 
And he was given the opposite of what he deserved. Verse 3 says, Let us break their chains, they say, and throw, and throw off their feathers. Ironically, these say that they are breaking and throwing off their feathers. However, in reality, they are bound and held captive. The believer, or the belief, they're free, or they believe, sorry, that they're free, but ultimately their ruin leads to death. As we saw earlier in chapter 1 of Psalms, the wicked are carried away by the wind into hell and destruction. Likewise, these who believe they are free are ultimately ensnared. Many of people before them thought that they were free, but were only ensnared more. Like a boa constrictor tightens after every breath. Therefore, Satan makes you think that you are free, but his snares are tightened even more. This yoke is heavy. As Spurgeon says on the unbeliever who does not know God's grace. The believer, a sinner saved by grace, knows the beauty of the yoke because they know the one who carried the yoke before them. Jesus says, learn of me, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When we know, when we experience the grace of Jesus in our lives, the, the burden that we carry in this life is, is light because he has forgiven us by his grace. And we know that he's alive. And and. And everything's made right because he's alive. Because he has died in our place. And that is the hope of the gospel. So, so many today are still carrying that yoke of sin. Thinking they are okay without Jesus. They are but bound to Satan's crafty work. In verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. The God of ages laughs because he knows that we are but ants. And foolish. We desire what is vain, and he knows it. As one commentator says, Oh, what are his frowns if his smiles be so terrible? Thomas Adams said that. God knows our state. And he laughs because he he realizes what are you doing? The Lord when the, the word the Lord is used here, it means the one who is our pillar. He sets up the pillars of the universes. All that there is and all that exists, he holds in his hands. And we also see this double statement that God scoffs at them after he laughs. So you continue on in verse 5. It doubles it again. It says that God scoffs at them. That means what is being said will happen. God will fulfill his promise. He will rebuke them and terrify them. Can you imagine the earth shaking, the darkness falling on the there's the darkness coming, the curtains tearing. God is fulfilling his purpose and letting the people know that they had murdered the only begotten Son of God. God is a just God. He does not mess around. I like to say I'm just playing when I'm doing things, but God does not play around. Or it's light concerning his hatred against sin. There are consequences to those who persecute and mock the name of God. He will complete his word. God will complete his word. What he says will come to fruition. And here we're seeing that in Psalm 2 that it is being completed as we see in verse 6. That the Holy One, the King of Kings, is on the holy hill, the King of Zion. God from Genesis 3.15 had already planned his purpose. Man cannot stop the plans of God. Nothing can. What he says goes. And the one he appointed as king of heaven is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
As W.M. Dyer says from Isaiah 41:15, the nations are a drop in the bucket, so the kings of the earth must be like a little bubble in the water. Who can compare to the king of kings? No one can compare. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people running around here that thinks that they think they're the king of kings, that they got it all figured out, that they're in control. But no one can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And thankfully, he gave his life freely. And he paid that price in our place. So that we could be made right with God. We have a relationship with him. Thanks be to God that he laid down his life for us. Paul said, the life I live in, by faith, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me. Gave himself for me. Praise God that we have a God who gives and who loves. So I hope that this is an encouragement to y'all. I love y'all. And, and I pray God's blessings on you through this time. Happy Easter. He has risen indeed. Well, for our interview this week, it is great to have the wonderful Caroline Headley with us today. Do you want to say hello, Caroline? Hello. 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 How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Good, good. You've had, you've had a busy busy afternoon between me and David heckling you a little bit. It's great to have you um, on our interview this week and uh, thank you for volunteering, being our second guest. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting to hear more about your story of how you came to faith and your journey of, of church life. Um, but why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born around the time uh, that Call the Midwife was set on television. Uh, and my parents brought me up in the church. Um, and uh, my mother used to take me at a month old uh, up in the, the pram uh, because she uh, helped run the Girls' Guildry at that time, mm -hmm. which now uh, is called Girls' Brigade. And... Uh, their motto uh, is seek, serve and follow Christ. So um, from a month old, uh, I was in amongst uh, teaching uh, with that in mind. Um, I had a childlike faith um, and I learned uh, a lot through the church, um, Sunday school, Bible study, um, I also did lots of Bible exams in the girls' brigade. I used to set a little wee doll on my, uh, for luck, <laughs> on my desk, um, just like what you would do in secondary school. We were all in lines with our papers answering questions on the Bible. Um, my dad was daft and modelling a craft and uh, growing food and things. Um, and my mum was staffed on uh, the girls' guild training and craft, girls' brigade. Um, they were uh, strong uh, in their faith. Um, and uh, when we went up to uh, Kiddle Cleveland, uh, my father, uh, throughout my, my life, has been ill at times because he had MS, mm. uh, but uh, 
when I was up in Kilhaven. Uh, there wasn't an awful lot to do up there. Uh, a lot of walking, um, enjoying the scenery, Glencoe and uh, doing uh, cross-country running and stuff like that. Um, but on a Sunday, uh, a special day, because I used to uh, go to uh, the church in the morning and then I would have youth fellowship. And then my friend and I used to decide which church we were going to go to in the evening. Mm. And there was two or three churches and we would find out who was going to be speaking that week and decide what was the best bet. And then we would go uh, and listen to the people. Um, and then we'd have a big confab afterwards mm-hmm. and sort of debrief each other mm-hmm. uh, and decide uh, who we thought was the better speaker and what was the, what was so special and, and so on. Um, so Sundays were quite uh, special. But of course, there was girls' brigade at uh, Kenneth Leaven, so I was part of the girls' brigade up there as well. Um, although I'd been in uh, the guides as well as uh, girls' brigade, um, the Girls' Brigade, I think, has been th- almost right through my childhood. Uh, so uh, all the, the major things that uh, you, you should know uh, came through that and through stories that my mother told uh, from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. And um, so you've, you've grown up in church, um, and, and that's really good to hear. But, but what, at what point... Um, did you come to, to trust and believe um, that, that Jesus was your Lord? Did you always believe or was there a moment in particular when uh, um, God spoke to you? That's a good question because as a, a little person, I think I had a very sort of childlike faith um, and uh, very accepting um, of what I was being told. But um, I was about 14 and the Reverend Black uh, was preaching at uh, Kimmelcleven in church in the Church of Scotland and I was sitting in the uh, church in the pew and lots of people round about me but during a prayer at, at one point I suddenly felt I was on my own and it was it felt very surreal um, and uh, it it was like this big voice saying, you are mine. Mm. You are mine. And from that time on, I really um, felt that real closeness uh, and started to feel really quite secure mm-hmm. um, in the Lord. And uh, it, it made me um, really look at things and, and study more at that time and as I say my friend and I used to frequent all the churches in the area um, and uh, went to scripture union at school um, went on holidays for scripture union which was a big thing in my life as well and uh, went down for training at Cadbury Towers and stuff um, so yes there was a, a lot of influences uh, and then I went to college 
And then um, my cousin, well, he's not a true cousin. He's uh, the closest thing to a relative at the mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. Eric um, and Marion, encouraged me to come to uh, the Baptist Church. And uh, there um, I finally decided to uh, get baptised. And that was a big thing because my mum and dad had already christened me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he approved. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, and they didn't manage to come down for it. Uh, but I got baptised at Glenrothes Baptist Church. And uh, Mr Wright took me, me through all of that. And uh, I uh, am who I am today. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Praise God. Praise God for that. And so you, you came to, to Glenrothes, was that after you um, finished studying, you came back to Glenrothes? Uh, I was at, at the time uh, Collidine was uh, in its infancy mm -hmm. um, and I was going along to Glenrothes and they suggested I went up to Collidine uh, at the time I stayed in Fukudi. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I uh, went along to a few of the services there at uh, Collidine, which wasn't in Collidine at that time, it was at Percudi uh, Primary School in the um, gym. So. Brilliant. And then um, a few years back as well, you, you joined the church again, um, I think mm -hmm. about four, four, uh, four and a bit years ago now. Yep. I remember one of my, I think we actually started at Collodine relatively at the, the same time, um, maybe a couple of weeks apart. I remember you playing the violin with David. <laughs> and um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came back to Collodine? Um, well, I've, I'd been in quite a few of the churches in the area mm -hmm. um, and I'd had a, a break and uh, had been kind of see a wee bit and decided I'd come back up to, to Collidean. Um, and uh, John Mack was there. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's where he was, but uh, John McSporran was there. And uh, he asked me to come and play. There was nobody to play uh, that day. And I just went up and played. Um, the piano mm -hmm. and uh, that was the start of me uh, being back there mm -hmm. and gradually um, I got to know the, the people in the church and uh, started to feel comfortable and started to feel that I was part of a fellowship mm -hmm. and that has grown and I've, I, I really love my church family. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, and and you're such a blessing to to um, different people with all of your your gifts, and it's great to have you as part of the the family. Um, you're you're incredibly talented with your music, and you you often bless us on a Sunday, um, and um, other other mar uh, moments um, in the church life through the Kayleys, and um, I know I, I loved the Kaylee band um, that you were a part of. We played for my birthday um, last year. 
And music is a really important part of your life, isn't it? Um, you're a, an incredible musician. You have your, your choir in Mark Inch and things as well. Where, where does your love for music come from? Um, well, both my parents uh, play instruments. Uh, my father was uh, more interested in his, his model aircraft and uh, his hobbies uh, in the garden. But um, he played the violin and uh, trumpet. And my mother, um, she loved music and played the cello and the piano and the French horn. And when we moved down to, to Fife, um, when I was about six, my mum uh, organised piano lessons for me. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I learned to play the piano and I found it, it was something very, very, very special for me because it allowed me to speak when I didn't have the words. Mm. So I could play and I could put my feelings into the music. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was something that that's a go-to for me um, when I feel good and uh, when I don't feel so good I can sit at the piano and um, or sing and play and I can get my feelings out. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. And during lockdown um, there'll be people have been learning different skills and talents. There might be people listening who have learned a musical instrument. I've been trying to, to practice my guitar a little bit um, whilst we've not had so much to do. But, um, and, it, and it's quite difficult um, when you learn an instrument for the first time and it can be quite frustrating. Um, but um, what would you say to somebody who is um, trying to learn music or starting to learn a musical instrument whilst uh, they're in lockdown? Have you got any words of wisdom for them? Have fun. <laughs> Have fun, absolutely. <laughs> Have fun. Um, and don't give up right away. Um, some people want it to happen instantly, but it takes practice. Mm -hmm. And it needs patience. Uh, but the, the main thing is that you have fun mm -hmm. and uh, take your time and take every step as uh, a goal made. Mm -hmm. and uh, build it up gradually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great words of wisdom. Have fun. It's very easy to forget to have fun, isn't it, when you're learning something new? Yes. Yeah, great. And, and speaking of music, and, and that's a, a really important ministry that you have, um, and, and you serve in, in, in the church um, with worship and and another things, particularly with, with the babies and the toddlers, you've got baby bubs and live wires on a Tuesday and, and now on a Friday as well. Um, although it, it's off just now, um, just as everything else is um, taking a break in the church just now. Um, but but how, how did the ministry come about? Um, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Um, I love coming up um, to baby bubs. I wish I could come and play with some of the toys when the kids weren't there. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and, and how that came about? Well, um, I'm a music teacher and I have taught as an instructor. I've taught in secondary and I've taught in primary. 
and I've done YMI projects. So I've done, been used to making uh, music in all sorts of ways with youngsters. And uh, I retired early um, and I thought it would be nice to encourage parents to interact with their children um, and have fun but exploring musical instruments. Mm -hmm. um, I've come from a, a, a time when you sat around the piano, the music teacher came in and you sat cross-legged around the piano and she would put one instrument on top of the piano and if you were good out of the 30 plus children someone got to play one instrument so you could go right through school without playing mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I really like the, the youth music initiative because everyone gets a chance but I think sometimes parents it's nice to to do things along with your child mm -hmm. and interact with them because television is very good but it, uh, they're nothing better than a parent giving you the time and doing something with you and it improves the literacy and numeracy uh, and gives them a really good start for school. So I started up the, the baby and toddlers uh, music um, primarily to uh, allow mums to count and dads, because sometimes I've had dads, to come along, explore music, move to music, um, because we dance, and we play instruments and we sing and uh, hopefully it's always fun. Mm. Um, I do, do have the parents sometimes doing some quite interesting things uh, but the main thing is that we're all doing it together and having fun. Mm -hmm. And then um, yeah it's, it's a really important ministry in the church that often others don't get get to see and um, I really want to thank you for, for the work that you put into to, to doing the Baby Bubs and Live Wires um, because we, it, the, the families that are coming in and the children, um, they love it um, and it's a really important ministry for the church um, and so, so how can we be, be praying for you and the families, um, how can we be supporting you in, in doing your, um, your groups, how can we support you better and, and the families that are coming into the church? Well part of it was as well that um, church um, can be quite a, a forbidding place to come into, it can be quite a scary place to come into mm -hmm. and I felt like coming in and doing music um, they could see uh, Christians as they are and that's why it originally was done on a Tuesday uh, because we were all having a cup of tea so we could go up and, and have our fun upstairs and come down and then share and have time with uh, some of the folks in the church downstairs. Um, I think as far as prayer is concerned, um, it's very uncertain uh, what's going to be happening over the next few months mm -hmm. and uh, when schools go back um, and uh, I really pray that lots of people manage to come along and they get a chance to uh, share, but also learn something about, about Jesus 
um, and I'm gradually uh, I've encouraged the puppets to come along and they do a Bible story every so often mm-hmm. and uh, I'll be gradually adding one or two songs in as well and um, the main thing is that um, to make a link with little ones uh, up into a Sunday school mm-hmm. and uh, I'm hoping that those links so you can pray for the links to go from there to the Sunday school and uh, so that the children have something that they really want to go to once once they're finished in my group um, because there's some lovely things that happen at Sunday school and I think it'd be lovely to, to share that too. Mm, brilliant, yeah. And we'll, we'll certainly pray, pray for these things and for those families. Um, but the links that you're making there uh, where people have never ex- experienced what church is before and and then through through the work that God is doing in our church they are coming into to his presence and it's and it is exciting so we'll be praying for you with that um, but I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about about your testimony because um, you know coming growing up in the church and, and you've experienced um, quite a bit of of church as well very important in your life as as you've said and um this friday um is good friday and we remember the death of of jesus on the cross and i wondered um what what does the death of christ what does it mean for you and and for others who are listening what what does it mean for them listening um to the podcast today my jesus died for me took all my sins upon himself. He's washed me clean by his grace. And I'm now in a position where I can stand in the presence of God. Um, Not through works, but because of his mercy. Um, and I've received that that gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for that, Caroline. I think that's really profound and um, so true that that our our salvation comes from Christ, not through works, but because of who He is and what He's done on the cross for us. Um, Finally, I'm, I'm asking all of our guests to just share a, a verse or a passage that's really meaningful for them. And is, is there a significant passage for you and, and why, why is it significant for you? Uh, my special verse was given to me when I got baptised. And it's Isaiah 40 verse 39. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And I love that because when I look at eagles, and I used to watch eagles soaring all the time uh, at Glencoe uh, when I did climbing and things. And they're strong, they're focused, they're, they're free on the mountains. And I love watching them soar. And they just look beautiful. 
And I love the promise that the Lord will renew my strength. Because there are times when, yep, we stumble and, and, and fall at times. Um, but he'll always renew us. He's, we've got that promise, that special promise. So hang on to that. And even when things are tough, mm. I always feel that um, although I might start to feel tired, but I know I won't collapse because he's always there. Mm. Amen. Thank so you. I for just that. got. No, no, only go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I just, I just imagine um, me soaring. Mm. It's, it's just um, and uh, soaring in the mountains, in God's presence, in the in the sunlight, and feeling the lift, mm. and the calmness of it all. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. And uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Caroline, for letting me uh, interview you and telling us a little bit about you. I hope it wasn't too nerve-wracking nerve as, it, as it might have felt <laughs> before we started. Um, but thank you for, for sharing your story. And um, it'll be a real blessing to others listening. And, and again, thank you for everything you do in the church. And thank you for asking me. You're, you're very welcome. Thank you for volunteering. I stand in awe.
I'd like to read to you a poem that's been sent by the Baptist Union of Scotland called A Declaration of Hope. And it's based on 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And maybe today this can be a prayer of praise that you pray along with me. I'm going to read it just now. Through Jesus we have been born into a living hope. Not a hope that is waiting to be formed. Not a hope that is dead and buried. Not a hope that is wishful thinking. Not a hope that is just theory. Through Jesus we have been born into a living hope. The hope created by his resurrection. The hope confirmed by his empty tomb. The hope conveyed by his eyewitness apostles. The hope promised in scripture. The hope purchased by crucifixion. The hope proclaimed in his gospel. Through Jesus we have been born into a living hope. The hope of love for the loveless. The hope of forgiveness for the failed. The hope of strength for the suffering. The hope that groans in anticipation. The hope that grows in adversity. The hope that grounds our assurance. Through Jesus we have been born into a living hope. The hope that confronts corona with confidence. The hope that invades isolation with intercession. The hope that faces fear with faithfulness. The hope for now and not yet. The hope for a new creation. The hope for no more tears. The hope that Christ will come again. The hope that death will die. The hope that we will rise with him, in him, for him, forever. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed listening today and thank you for joining us. I hope you've been blessed by our reflections and testimony and prayer. Tune in again next Friday where we'll have our third podcast. And But until then, stay safe, stay well, God bless, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.